0: How I knew the Democrats and the media were lying about January 6th, because I used to do it too. Quote, If totalitarianism did not exploit archetypes, which are deep inside us all and rooted deep in all religions, it could never attract so many people, especially during the early phases of its existence. Once the dream of paradise starts to turn into reality, however, here and there, people begin to crop up who stand in its way, and so the rulers of paradise must build a little gulag on the side of Eden. In the course of time, this gulag grows ever bigger and more perfect, while the adjoining paradise gets even smaller and poorer. Milan Kundera, The Book of Laughter and Forgetting. Utopias, by their nature, have only two options if they're to survive. They must lean into totalitarianism or collapse. We're now at the moment when the Democrats with complete control of the legacy media, nearly all major institutions of power, including those run by the government, are slowly adopting totalitarian practices to shut out speech they don't like. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a tweet from Jonathan Turley. For many of us, this week demonstrates the final severing of many House Democrats from both free speech and free press values. What is left is raw rage and politics. What they want is more power to preserve their utopian vision for a new America. But there are powerful dissidents in this country who continue to stand in their way, like Tucker Carlson, like Elon Musk, like Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. What are the utopians to do? Well, for starters, they'd like to find a good reason to shut down Carlson and destroy Fox News. That will keep their utopia alive for a little longer, stave off collapse, and allow them to eradicate even more dissent. Dissent is dangerous. Dissent is a threat to democracy.
1: Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy and cherry-picking from thousands of hours of security footage, Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie, a lie pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. And Speaker McCarthy is every bit as culpable as Mr. Carlson.
0: In two short weeks, we've seen Senator Chuck Schumer bark at Fox News and Rupert Murdoch, demanding they silence and censor their top-rated cable news host. We've seen a panel of Democratic members of Congress beclown themselves in one of the most embarrassing spectacles in the history of the party. The congressional hearing on the Twitter files made it abundantly clear that Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger weren't the targets. Elon Musk was the target. They couldn't give the Twitter files any oxygen lest they help must succeed in his ongoing pursuit to help free the truth from their desire to keep it locked away. Carlson is the one who has them really nervous. Surely there must be a way they can shut him up permanently. Schumer is ready with threats and hysteria to do just that. And he has a willing army of true believers who back him up every step of the way. Jacob
2: Chansley became the face of January 6th a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch.
3: Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building.
2: Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th. The indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen. What
0: were they so afraid of, anyway? Why not show us what was on those tapes? Because it embarrassed the Democrats and their obedient press, who for years now have defamed and smeared Jacob Chansley as the face of the white supremacist armed insurrection to overthrow the U.S. government and install the Second Confederacy. That was a lie. Almost everything they said happened at the Capitol that day didn't happen the way they said it did. We've never gotten the full story. We got their narrative, the one that was useful to them, the one they believe would stop Trump and MAGA, or at least give them permission to wage war against their own citizens. The footage, according to Carlson, is mostly uneventful, but showing Chansley walking calmly through the hallways with two police officers by his side paints a very different picture than the one they've been selling. I already knew that their version of Chansley, like their version of Trump, was wrong. I knew because I had listened to an interview with him from prison last year. I knew if I said anything, I would be in real trouble, so I filed it away in the place I keep things I know will matter one day.
4: This is a free call from...
5: Jacob Chansley.
0: An incarcerated individual at
5: Alexandria Detention Center. This call is not private.
2: Hey, man, how's it going? All right, cool. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. How are you doing, man?
4: I'm doing okay, brother. I'm doing okay. You know, Uh spent, uh, spent the last 20-something hours in a cell, so, you know, but at least I had something to work on.
2: Right. So for those who don't know, where are you at right now?
4: Oh, I, I am in Alexandria Detention Center in Alexandria, Virginia. I am sleeping on a a one-and-a-half-inch foam mat that is on top of a concrete slab every night, and that's pretty much where I'm sitting all day as well. Um, I get 22 hours in my cell and two hours outside of my cell. Uh, There's no going outside or working out or anything like that. You know, this place can definitely take its toll on you. You know, it makes me think of the saying in uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption when Red said, uh, in prison a man will do most anything to keep his mind occupied. Yeah, I know how that is.
2: Right. How would you describe the conditions of the jail that you're in right now?
4: Well, the conditions in Alexandria are, in the detention center, not as bad as they were in, say, the D.C. jail. I've never experienced, like, real racism and prejudice in my life until I went to the D.C. jail. There was a a, a black woman from Nigeria that was like their nurse or their doctor that was examining me while I was fasting for 11 days because they weren't feeding me organic. She thought I was a racist and a white supremacist and all this crap because she believed what was on the mainstream mockingbird media. And um, when I told her that I was not racist that I was not white supremacist whatsoever, that I've actually you know dated all sorts of women of all sorts of races, I've I've had all sorts of friends of all sorts of races, and I said I, I even you know I've even dated several black women. She said I can't believe a black woman would ever date you. And I was, like, oh my God. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like this woman is like being openly racist, you know, because if the roles were reversed and she were standing in the doorway while a white nurse told a black guy, I can't believe a white woman would ever date you, she would be appalled. You know, she doesn't know what my ethnic background is. She doesn't know I got Native American blood in me. She doesn't know. You know, you know what I'm saying? She has no idea, but she's judging me by the color of my skin. There was also a guy, a guard over there that wore a Black Lives Matter mask. So he was taunting.
0: Chansley is a vegan, and, you know, like- the kind of guy you'd see at Burning Man because it was the cool place to be. Like most Trump supporters, he hovers on the fringes of our society at the opposite end of the spectrum of the do-gooders and eggheads that dominate our culture now. If you know anything about QAnon, I mean the real QAnon and not the media version, you know they're mostly yoga-oriented granola crunchers who, like so many of us on the left from the old days, grew up not trusting the government. I felt bad for Chansley because he, like so many of them, has no advocates in government, in civil rights law, or in the press. But rather than look into it or demand answers from the powerful, the media did what they always do, they covered for the Democrats. Oh, how the media machine, word to life, to do damage control. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a series of headlines. CNN, prosecutors refute claims Tucker Carlson's airing of security footage exonerates. ABC News. DOJ says video of QAnon Shaman Fox aired lacks context. Washington Post. U.S. fires back at claims that Tucker Carlson footage was withheld. USA Today fact check false claims about Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman. And AP. Post misrepresents rioters' actions on January 6th Capitol attack. They have to side with the official story, or they will be severely punished on Twitter. It might not seem like a big deal, But your entire reputation, your status, all of it could go up in smoke in minutes if you dared contradict the party line, which is all over Twitter long before the headlines roll out. It's the job of every citizen on the left to go along with it. Anyone who doesn't will be given the boot. Out of our utopia, you must go. Musk, of course, continues to taunt them with all sorts of thought crimes on a daily basis. They can't really go after him, at least not yet, but they're making ongoing efforts to destroy his business and discredit Twitter as a well-run company. For podcast listeners, there's a tweet from Elon Musk that says, I'm not part of MAGA, but I do believe in fairness of justice. Chansley was falsely portrayed in the media as a violent criminal who tried to overthrow the state and who urged others to commit violence. But here he is, urging people to be peaceful and go home. End quote. If there is one thing I've learned about Trump supporters in the past three years, I've spent time in that world, is that they pride themselves on being non-violent. You have to understand what it means to be a patriot. They see themselves as protectors of democracy, of America. They weren't trying to overthrow the government or attempt a coup. They were doing the opposite. They believed they were saving the country from the Democrats. Tucker Carlson is one of the few people who really understands what Trump supporters are actually like, as opposed to the cartoon versions of them the media has been selling. Charges would stick if Trump had done what they said he did, but he didn't want a violent riot. Why would he have bothered convincing Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley to debate the election in the Senate? All the riot did was hand absolute power to the Democrats. It seemed to me on that day there were two heads involved. One was Trump, and the other is yet to be identified. Two so-called journalists go to Washington. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a tweet from Matt Taibbi that says, your direct quote was, who gave you access to these emails? And a tweet from Rep. Stacey Plaskett that says, no one is interested in revealing, quote, journalists, unquote, sources. What we all should be interested in is what discussion promises and or deals Elon Musk has with Taibi Schellenberger, House GOP, and definitely Jim Jordan. End quote. I already knew going in that the Twitter files had been a blank for much of the media. To the left, Trump is the new Musk and is a bad man, so Twitter is bad now. If Matt Taibi and Michael Schellenberger or Barry Weiss were chosen by Musk, as opposed to, say, Keith Olbermann or Rachel Maddow, that nothing they say is to be taken seriously. What was most surprising about the hearing of the Twitter files, though, was that it exposed in the plain light of day just how cut off from reality the Democratic Party has become. While this was obviously true of Rep. Sylvia Garcia, who had never heard of Substack and seemed to be in over her head, it was also true of the entire panel. Whether or
6: not you would be interested in some information...
7: Yes, and I refer to that person as a source.
6: So you're not going to tell us when Musk first approached you?
7: Again, Congressman, so when you're asking me to, you to rev- no? you're asking a your journalist to reveal so a source. So then you
6: consider and- Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this.
7: No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I, 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 well, I just can't answer either your question. Well, if he is or he isn't, or, or, or,
6: or. if you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that only logical conclusion is that he is, in fact, your source.
7: Well, you're free to conclude that.
6: Well, sir, I just don't understand. You can't have it both ways, but let's
8: move on. because well, No, he can. He's a journalist. No, he can't because either Musk is the source and he can't talk about it or Musk is not the source. And if Musk is not the source, then he can discuss his conversations No one has yielded. The gentle is out of order. You don't and get to speak. The gentlelady is not recognized. The gentle is not chairman,
2: recognized. You're not, not recognizing He has he's not said that. What he has
7: said
8: is about he's, he's, he's the not the going
2: chairman. to reveal his source. And the I fact that Democrats are pressuring him to do so is such We're asking him
8: about his conversations with Musk. Gentle lady has not yielded you time. You don't get to talk over him. I have not yielded time
6: to anybody. I want to reclaim my time, and I would ask the chairman to give me back some of the time because of the interruption. In, um, in your discussion, in your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss?
8: My friend, Barry Weiss.
6: So this friend works for Twitter, or what is, what is her... Um...
7: She's a journalist.
6: Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm, I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger a question. Please yes, ma'am. Barry interrupt. Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir?
9: She's a journalist.
6: She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her?
9: Um, yeah.
6: Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk... I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome?
9: Um, there was many more people involved than that.
6: There was many more people involved with it. Are you being paid to be here today, either through consulting fees, no. campaign contributions to your next not. run? Ladies, time Do you have an not. interview General scheduled ladies, after time this hearing? Expired. Absolutely not. gentlelady's time Thank has you. expired. Thank you.
0: What an odd way to reproach two soft-spoken journalists who aren't in this for any other reason than to do their jobs by uncovering what is obviously big tech overreach at the hands of the Democratic Party and the administrative state. Liberals
3: in general, of which I think I still am a liberal and count my, have counted myself as for for many years, my adult life, and and liberals and also journalists, um, have always had like a really strong degree of skepticism toward large institutions, the government, the military, big business, religion, these large institutions of society. Yet somehow, in my view, that skepticism vaporized um, when it came to the pandemic and what the public health authorities were telling us. That I would get, I mean, almost every day I get emails or messages from people saying, hey, you know, I'm like you, I'm a liberal, or I voted, you know, oftentimes it's very funny, but in the beginning in particular, anytime I would speak with, um, you know, an infectious disease doctor or, or some other person in public health or even regular people, nine out of 10 times, the conversation would start with this preamble that the person... I need to let you know, I voted for Obama and, and I, you know, I hate <laughs> Trump and I've been a liberal, but, and then dot, dot, dot. And like, and that's how, what a remarkable commentary on our culture and on the left. What a commentary that is about what the modern left is mm. today that people, including like highly credentialed, very um, doctors who work at very prestigious, you know, medical schools in, in the country and, and abroad, that people felt the need to have this sort of like apologia, you know, before this, this preemptive kind of throat clearing, before we could then get down to business and talk.
0: I've been online 28 years, half my life, and I know it well enough to be able to see how things changed. After 2020, January 6 was the pretext for full-blown authoritarian control that required no explanation. They treated it like 9/11, where they gifted themselves with unlimited power to monitor and police speech online. It's a private company. They chirp, well, not when government agencies are involved.
3: And ultimately, and I, and this is you know winding its way through the courts right now. What? some lawyers argue, is that this was essentially a violation of First Amendment rights by proxy. Yes, the government didn't go to someone's house and take their MacBook and smash it over their knee, but by leaning on the platforms, by telling them what they wanted, what type of content they thought was unacceptable, by proxy, they essentially were infringing on their First Amendment rights. That's at least the legal argument. I don't know you know, how that will work out in the courts, but I think certainly from a kind of um, in the spirit of that law, even if it's not the letter of the law, that's what to me seems to be the case.
0: It remains shocking how few mainstream journalists understand fully what happened here. Maybe you have to be a very online person to really get it. Maybe you have to remember the initial commitment by those of us early internet pioneers that speech, like information, wants to be free. I could tell, and said many times, that it was obvious to me that the government was using Twitter as a filter to violate the First Amendment. Before Musk bought Twitter, the alignment of the media, the blue check army, and the Democratic Party was unprecedented in its ability to manufacture a chosen narrative and foist it on the people. It wasn't until Musk bought Twitter that the level of government overreach was finally exposed and dissent was allowed back in the public square. But of course, the Democrats no longer care about free speech if it isn't in full compliance with their version of events.
9: How did it feel when you found out that you were being expressly targeted by a government document based on your reporting. It was chilling. I mean, it's disturbing. I I never thought that would happen in the United States of America, to be perfectly honest. I've been in a bunch, I've lived in a bunch of authoritarian countries. I've visited a lot of authoritarian countries. Never thought this kind of thing would be going on here. And the nexus to authoritarianism is the desire to control the nature of truth itself. Our understandings change about things we learn new things we challenge prior assumptions but if a bunch of people in Washington DC get to decide what the truth is and then enforce it on the country and then punish and target those who report on their conduct we are drifting more toward that how did you feel mr. Tybee when you saw your name
7: I was uh, upset obviously Um, I I lived in uh, Russia during the 90s and early 2000s. I was there when Putin took power. I was friends with a group of uh, very brave, uh, muckraking reporters in Russia, many of whom didn't make it. A few of them um, were murdered after Putin came to power. So I've always been conscious of how the risks that other reporters take in other countries are incredibly severe, and that's one of the reasons why I'm motivated to protect the First Amendment because our our country has the best protections for reporters in the world. Um, But this kind of thing, where the government is looking for information about reporters, it's usually a canary in the coal mine that something worse is coming in terms of... uh, an effort to exercise control over the press, and so on that level, it's it's absolutely disturbing. Also, the Aspen Institute report that we we uh, published today uh, talked about today in the Twitter Files thread. Um, ex- one of their recommendations was that the FTC be empowered uh, to get uh, to have unlimited power to search uh, all data of uh, private companies, so that they could more freely and more accurately search. Uh, the speech of ordinary citizens so So as we're trying to put
9: downward pressure on the government's expanding authority to be able to engage in what we see mostly from dictatorships what you're reporting and what you're observing is that actually they view this as a growth industry the information business right this this censorship industrial complex is a growth industry to the government
0: here is debbie wasserman schultz of all people showing us how little she cares about what may or may not have been in the Twitter files. No doubt the blue checks on Twitter celebrated this, as I would have if I was still in the bubble.
8: Mr. Taibbi, I want to ask about journalistic ethics and information sources. The Society of Professional Journalists' Code of Ethics asserts that journalists should avoid political activities that can compromise integrity or credibility. Being a Republican witness today certainly casts a cloud over your objectivity. But it deeper concern that i have relates to the ethics of how journalists receive and present certain information journalists should avoid accepting spoon-fed cherry-picked information if it's likely to be slanted incomplete or designed to reach a foregone easily disputed or invalid conclusion would you agree with that
7: i think it's i think it depends
8: really you you wouldn't agree that a journalist should avoid spoon-fed cherry-picked information if it's likely to be slanted incomplete or designed to reach a foregone, easily disputed, or invalid conclusion?
7: Mrs. Con- Congresswoman, I've done probably a dozen stories involving whistleblowers. Every reported story that I've ever done across three decades involves sources who have motives. Every time you do a story, you're making a, a, a balancing test okay. reclaiming between the public my, Reclaiming interest.
8: my time, thank you very much. Okay. I ask you this because before you became Elon Musk's hand-picked journalist, so, and pardon the oxymoron, You stated this on Joe Rogan's podcast about being spoon-fed information, and I quote, I think that's true of any kind of journalism.
0: It doesn't seem to occur to them that attacking journalists on live television might be a bad look for the side that traditionally fought for free speech. But to them, they know no matter what they say, the obedient press corps will back them up, defend them, explain their nonsensical reactions in the hearing. The Twitter files, like the January 6th footage, threatens their narrative. That's why they needed full control of Twitter and why they're throwing temper tantrums now, that it's been wrested from them. If their narrative is vulnerable, so are they. By now they've built a risky house of cards, a Ponzi scheme, with only two options. Keep it going, or watch the whole thing collapse. How did I know they were lying about January 6th? Because I used to do it too. I was one of them. I know the game. I lied right alongside them. Because to us it wasn't lying, it was winning. And they're still lying about January 6th. They're lying that it was rooted in racism and white supremacy. They're lying that Trump ordered it, or inspired it, or instigated it. They're lying that the violence was planned by the MAGA movement. They're lying about seditious conspiracy, and the biggest lie of all that it was an armed insurrection against the government. None of that was true then, and none of it is true today. The January 6th protesters deserved a government that cared about them, not one that would turn them into domestic terrorists, ruin their lives, convict them in the court of public opinion, and use them as pawns to grow their power. But they have one person brave enough to tell their stories, and that's Julie Kelly.
2: Julie Kelly is the one journalist in this country who's been following us very closely. She wrote a book on it. January 6th, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right, which is a perfect summation of what actually happened. Julie Kelly joins us now. Julie, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so it dawned on us as, as these tapes made very clear that the story we've been presented is an, is an absolute fabrication. It's a lie, it's a fraud. Um, that people may still be in jail on the basis of these lies. And so we wanted to talk to you for an update on where those cases are tonight.
10: So, yes, there are, well, at least 100 men have been held under pretrial detention orders over the past two years. That means that a judge has denied them bail because the government, DOJ, successfully argued that that individual was a threat to the community. This includes, Tucker, people charged with nonviolent offenses, like obstruction and conspiracy. So, of course, they don't have access to what could very easily be exculpatory evidence contained in this video. But aside from the, now I think around three dozen men who are held under pretrial detention orders, Tucker, believe it or not, there are some men going on 24, 25, 26 months denied bail, languishing in jail, including the D.C. Gulag, as the government continues to delay their trials. This all has the imprimatur, by the way, of every judge on the D.C. District Court. I want
0: to... No matter what else Jacob Chansley did that day, Carlson showed up the legacy media for the frauds they are just by showing what they would not, and that exposes them as liars. That Fox went ahead with it, taking a big risk amid a massive lawsuit, is reminiscent of the moment Senator Joseph McCarthy went after Edward R. Murrow. Under extraordinary pressure, Murrow called him out on national television which ended the reign of terror, of McCarthyism.
2: Earlier, the senator asked, upon what meat does this our Caesar feed? Had he looked three lines earlier in Shakespeare's Caesar, he would have found this line which is not altogether inappropriate. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. No one familiar with the history of his country can deny that congressional committees are useful. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one, and the junior senator from Wisconsin has stepped over it repeatedly.
0: And Schumer, like McCarthy, had already gone too far. Even though their propaganda press will continue to cover for him and likely write the legacy he wants rather than the one he deserves, I have to believe that history will not be kind. I have to believe that people still care about the truth. I have to believe it will find its way through the storm of deception. I have to believe that this is still a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, and not a country in the grips of totalitarian rule that looks out for the aristocracy and the administrative state. Edward R. Murrow was a person of wealth and power, but imagine what it must feel like to be a Trump supporter, with nothing in your bank account, debts to be paid, living in a town that's been hollowed out by trade policies and riddled with fentanyl sales. Protesting and fighting for the only person in government who had your back. The only guy who saw you at all. To have watched for months the government mostly sympathetic and supportive of the protesters in the summer of 2020 now turn on you, throw you into solitary confinement and ruin your reputation for life and all for what? Power. Control. Utopia. The Democrats and the legacy media are in too deep to turn back now. They have no choice but to double down on the gaslighting, the deception, the manipulation, and the lies. Most people on the left believe that their reality is the only reality. Their truth is the only truth. I used to believe that too. But for me, the truth was like a low flame that never went out, but only got bigger over time. Before long, I couldn't ignore it. And now I know the old cliche is right. The truth shall set you free. And so it has. Thank you for listening to my Substack, .substack sashastone.substack.com and thanks to the many for the lovely birthday wishes. I so appreciate that. Thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. And to thine own self, be true.
5: that I haven't shook my shadow and every day is trying to trick me into doing battle I call an fake call trying to get me red trying to put me back behind the fence with the cattle. building your lenses, digging your trenches put me on the front line leave me with a dumb mind with no defenses but your defenses, if you can't stand a field of pain and you are senseless. Since this, I've grown up some different kind of fire. And when the darkness comes, we'll let it inside you And your darkness is shining. My darkness is shining. Now, make sure the future you choose to be for you're gonna die. And I'll tell you about a secret I've been undermining. Every little lie in this world comes from dividing. Say you're my lover, say you're my homie. Tilt my chin back, slip my throat, take a bath in my blood, get to know me. All out of my secrets, all my enemies are turning into my teachers. Because. Lights blind in no way Dividing what shows a mine When everything's shining hey, Your darkness is shining My darkness is
8: shining
5: I'm only loving, only trying to love I swear to that heart Only loving I wanna only love you But you say it ain't love you Plus I'm trying only love Only loving you say it ain't loving I love it, ain't loving I love it, not loving I swear to that hard To love you But it's getting me Loving, plus I'm you You're i